0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. When we started the seventh chapter of uh, the Mishnah of Shabbat, we began with a principle just about um, obligations to bring a, a sin offering, depending on what kind of circumstances we might, uh, in, in what kind of circumstances, we might forget Shabbat. And that Mishnah introduced the idea that there are certain primary labors or primary acts of creation that we refrain from on Shabbat. And the Mishnah taught that if we know it's Shabbat and we perform many of these acts on many Shabbatot, we bring a khatat, bring a singing offering for each primary labor. And this Mishnah, which introduces the idea of these primary acts of creation, of course leads to another Mishnah which enumerates, which lists what these acts of creation are. And there are 39 of them. Now, these 39 acts of creation are connected with um, with the building of the tabernacle. The Talmud learns this out just from the verses. And I, I brought, I mean, there are many, many places, by the way, both in Kitis around Sa, particularly where the parallels between building the tabernacle and keeping Shabbat are are outlined. And I just brought you a couple of pasukim from the beginning of Vayakhel because that is where the narrative of constructing the tabernacle begins. And it's very interesting, Vayakhel Moshe, Moshe gathers all the congregation together and he's going to tell them to, to begin he's going to tell them to build a tabernacle but he begins by saying six days on six days work shall be done the seventh day is holy and then he goes on to enumerate the commandment to build the tabernacle but he begins by enumerating the commandment to keep Shabbat and he mentions not only that we keep shabbat but that we don't we don't add a fire on shabbat in throughout our habitations so the mishnah the mishnah we're now in the second mishnah of the seventh chapter of shabbat the mishnah will then go and enumerate the the 39 labors or as the mishnah puts it 40 less one that's a reference by the way to makot when we um if someone is subjected to lashes they're subjected to 40 lashes, according to the biblical text. But we give 40 less one. And in the same way, we express this number 39. The number of primary archetypal labors as 40 less one. And so the Mishnah begins, The primary labors, the archetypal acts of creation are 40 less one. And you'll see that they're laid out in some kind of sequence of activity that corresponds broadly to the sort of sequences of activity that we might carry out in daily life. So, um, Sowing and plowing and reaping, binding sheaves, Threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, and baking. So you can see we're going here, that we're, we're developing here the whole process of baking a loaf from the point of sowing the seed right the way through to baking it in the oven. And it's the same, by the way, with construction and materials. So, how it had semer, how such shearing wool, bleaching it hackling it, dyeing it, spinning it, weaving it, making loops to connect it together, weaving two threads together, separating it out two threads, tying and untying, sewing two stitches, tearing tearing in order to sew two stitches. Again, we are going through here the whole process of building up a cloth garment from the very, very beginning of shearing the sheep, right the way through to sewing it, or taking it apart in order to serve it better. And then having outlined what we need to do to make food, what we need to do to make clothes, and maybe this is connected to the tabernacle, but also you can see this is connected in some way to basic human needs. And this is how the Mishnah seems to be laying out these 39 um, cardinal acts. Now we're gonna go on to writing. If we, if we can eat and if we can clothe ourselves, the next question is, can we write? And, of course, writing begins with hunting. <laughs> We're going to hunt a deer. We're going to slaughter it. We're going to flay it. We're going to salt it. We're going to cure its hide. And then we scrape it and we cut it up. And at this point, we have something we can write on. So we're going to write two letters or we might erase in order to write two letters. I mentioned, by the way, yesterday, I thought that erasing was not a primary act. I I thought it was a secondary act derived from writing, but it is actually a primary act all on its own, writing two letters. Somehow writing one letter is not sufficient to be a creative act, but writing two letters is, and the Gemara derives this actually from marks that were put on the, the um, slats that surrounded the tabernacle, and they'd put one mark on each slat in order to connect one, one slat to the other. Once you've got two marks, you can you can essentially lay out the order of the slats. So we eat we dress ourselves and then we write. So writing is somehow a fundamental activity. And then we have some other activities which are connected to construction. Building, tearing down, extinguishing, lighting. Interesting that extinguishing is before lighting, as if perhaps extinguishing here refers to extinguishing in order to light, just as rubbing out, refers to rubbing out in order to write sorry extinguishing refers to extinguishing in order to light perhaps just as erasing refers to erasing in order to write striking with a striking with a hammer hammer kebapatish. and this doesn't refer mechanically to striking with a hammer or perhaps you know perhaps at one point back in the early times of the mishnah it did but striking with a hammer in the world of the gemara is to do with finishing something off when a workman essentially finishes uh finishes his work he just gives a tap with a hammer to say almost as if to say that is the finishing touch it's a particular activity all on its own and just as um the patish striking with a hammer is a particular activity all on its own so is the last one in the list which is the first one mentioned in the mishnah of shabbat so we're going back right to the beginning of the tractate now the last one in the list is the first one mentioned and the first one which we delve into in detail in the mishnah of shabbat Someone who carries from one domain to the other, say from the private to the public. The householder standing inside his doorway, the poor man outside, one of them reaches in or one of them reaches out with an object. That's the first archetypal act which the Mishnah describes. And interestingly, it's the last one in this list. And then the Mishnah concludes as it began. These are the 40 primary labours, less one. And it's, it, I mean, I'm intrigued by the fact that this Mishnah, which is really the core of the whole of the tractate of Shabbat, does not appear at the beginning of the tractate. And we remember we began with examples of caring. We, didn't, but we did not begin by laying out this overall structure. And it's not quite it's really not quite clear to me why this appears now, but I might point out to you that we have through here a string of three Mishnayot which lay out general principles. We've had the Mishnah we learned yesterday, which was the principle of how we um how how we enumerate the sin offerings that are required if we forget Ishabad. We have the principle of the 39 labors. And then there's one more principle coming up, which is in the next Mishnah, which goes back to the principle of carrying. And once we've laid out these three principles, we then go back into a more extended more extended discussion about other kinds of carrying. So perhaps I mean perhaps these three sets of principles which seem to fit together, maybe they're just connected. To the fact that in this early part of the tractate, we are really exploring the question of carrying. And the next Mishnah, we're only going to look at two Mishnayot today. We can't deal with three Mishnayot. The next Mishnah is the principle of what is a meaningful quantity of stuff or of something to be carried. So we learned that we don't carry from the private to the public domain on Shabbat or vice versa, but... What is carry? And we've learned about the kinds of objects which can and cannot be carried. So clothing can be, you know, clothing is not an issue, but a load is an issue. But we haven't learned about quantity. How much do we need to carry in order to transgress the prohibition on carrying on Chabad? And this is the third principle which the Mishnah is going to enumerate. The Odklal Acher Amru, and one more principle they said, the sages said something which is worthy to be stored, something which is worth storing. And people generally store things like it. So it's not just that I think it's worth storing and you think it's worth storing, but people store it if someone carries it out on Shabbat, they're liable to a sin offering. So maybe, I don't know, a loaf of bread. You keep a loaf of bread and we don't carry it out on Shabbat. But the Mishnah says, the Mishnah then goes on to say, anything which is not worth storing. anything which is not worth storing. And we don't store it. I mean, so going back to the analogy of the loaf of bread, let's talk about crumbs. We don't store crumbs. It's not worth storing a few crumbs. Something which is not stored and not fit to be stored. ela Someone who carries it out on Shabbat isn't liable to a sin offering. With one exception with the exception of someone who does store it. So if you were someone who had an amazing crumb collection, for some reason crumbs are important to you. Crumbs are something that you store. Maybe the rest of the population doesn't store, but you store them on Shabbat. Then for you to carry them out on Shabbat would require, if you forgot it was Shabbat and you carried them out, you'd be required to bring a sin offering. And someone else, by the way, who carried out the same crumbs would not be liable. In other words, the only person, in the the case of something which is not generally stored, the only person who's liable is the person who does somehow like storing it. So it's a situation-dependent halacha. This is the principle, and then in the next few mishnayot, which lasts for a couple of chapters actually we're then going to look at specific examples of quantities of specific objects and we're going to see whether they are um, what makes a material quantity a critical mass quantity to be worth carrying out on shabbat thank you for listening to this edition of the daily mishnah podcast with benedict